Amen. Thank you. Hi, good morning, everyone. Afternoon, actually, I think we've gone after 12. Amazing. Um, my name is Charlene, as I'm sure you've heard. I'm one of the children's team here at Willowfield, and it is my great honor and privilege this morning to talk to you about Palm Sunday. Hopefully, some of you will have seen the donkey going down the street, and, and maybe you've even taken part with a wee bit of a hosanna and a cheer. So hopefully, the idea of Palm Sunday isn't too foreign right now. So we're just going to look at the story in the Bible and we're just going to maybe think about things in a new way this morning. So I have a bit of preacher's anxiety. I like to make sure that everybody knows exactly what points are coming when. So I have two points this morning that I'm going to share with you. The first one is that Jesus didn't come to meet expectations. He came to meet needs. And the second one is don't let a big but be bigger than your praise. So we're going to work through these points and hopefully you'll learn a little bit more this morning about what Palm Sunday means for you. Now, before I start, I have a spoiler alert. I am a nerd. Yeah, I don't know if the glasses gave it away or anything, but I am a bit of a nerd. And whenever I read the Bible, I read it in kind of a nerdy way. I like to feel the sand between my, sand, my feet in the sandals of Jerusalem. I like to feel the, the hot sun on my skin. I like to just hear the hustle and bustle of the markets. I like to not just read the events like a story, but I like to climb my way into it and experience what actually was going on. I know it's pretty geeky and I'm sorry, but hopefully if you see things a little bit in my way, you'll, you'll maybe get another nerdy appreciation for that. The closest comparison that I could come up with was, you know, in Friends, oh, too fast, whenever Joey is in London and he has to try and sort of find out his way how to go, and what he does is put the map in the ground and he stands right into it and then that helps him sort of figure it out. I do the same thing whenever I read the Bible. I don't climb inside it quite so aggressively, but what I like to do is just get in there I'm a bit of a history and politics nerd. That's what I studied at university and a wee bit of Spanish as well. I like languages, I like cultures, I like knowing the names of cities and towns and rulers and everything like that. That's just what I like to do. So whenever I'm reading the Bible, I've got a map for us this morning to climb into. This is a map of the Roman Empire. This is a map of the conquest of one of the greatest military forces in history. A lot of people look back to them and they see the regimented discipline of their soldiers. They see the strength of their political leaders. They see a lot of drama because, you know, we've all seen Gladiator. We know how that went down for Russell Crowe. But we have seen and we can imagine, and this morning I would like you to imagine, being on the streets of Jerusalem in Roman times. Historical records tell us that around the same sort of time that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, there was a Roman parade happening around the same streets. Can you just imagine it for a second? All of the, the soldiers in the Roman army with their metallic weapons glittering in the sun, their swords, their shields, their bows, and, and they're marching, and you just hear all the marching. If you saw that coming, you knew that these guys were the boyos in charge. These guys were the bosses, and you better do what they say or else. Do you remember like, just the feeling of being in there? Do you, can, can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine seeing Pontius Pilate standing on top, glistening of a gorgeous white stallion as he rode into battle to let the people know who was boss? Can you imagine how that would have felt if you were a Jew? 
you knew not to start a fight. You knew that the political repercussions of starting a rebellion would be unimaginable. You knew that these guys were in control. Cue to what is happening outside of the gates of Jerusalem that day. Cue to the stories, the rumors, the whispers of this man that they're calling a prophet, this holy man that is teaching and is performing miracles all across the, 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 the country. He's healing the blind. Uh, he's helping people who can't walk, walk. He's changing lives. Everybody who's encountering him is telling stories of the miracles that he has performed. And he is coming into town that day. And he is coming in on a donkey. The donkey is really significant. We have a donkey. We had a donkey today. And we had, there was a donkey back then as well. But the donkey is really significant and refers back, as Lawrence was said, back to Zechariah 9.9. The people of Jerusalem were looking out. The Jews were looking for a Messiah to come, a hero to rescue them, who will break their oppressors, who will free them, who will protect them, who will do what they can to make sure that they are never enslaved again by a military force. And when Jesus arrived, this prophet, this teacher, this man of miracles, when he arrived on a donkey, things started to change. Hope started to rise. Maybe this is him. Maybe the ordinary people were thinking this could actually be the day. This could be the time when all of the chains were broken, when we don't have to see these Romans in our streets, when the political violence is over. This is the time of change and amazing things that were about to happen. So whenever Jesus came in, there was a lot of hype. You see the guy, if you don't know what Fortnite is, he's doing this dance that's on Fortnite called Hype. Yeah, I can see some people doing it at the back. Thanks, Emma. Yep, I love it. And hype is a dangerous thing. All of those people had expectations about who Jesus was that weren't necessarily from the Bible, from who Jesus actually was. They thought he was this Messiah, riding brave into battle, striding on a horse, ready to fight, ready to free them, ready to just defeat their enemy. But what they got was something altogether different. They got a, a king who came in on a donkey. I love movies, especially Disney movies. I watch them all the time. and I'm super excited for the new Lion King coming out in July. Awesome! And in my head, this would be the perfect showdown between good versus evil. We have Jesus, the king who was exiled, just like in The Lion King, he's like Simba. So he was exiled, he was sent away, he was not allowed back. And then all of a sudden, we have the bad guys of Rome, evil Scar. So in my head, I can imagine this would be happening. People would be like, run away, Scar, and never return. And people would be thinking, Jesus is saying that to the Romans, but he'd be saying, run away, Rome, and never return. The hype was too great. Their expectations of who Jesus was was not realistic. He didn't come to meet their expectations. He came to meet their needs because they didn't need a military warrior. They didn't need some guy with a, knight, with a sword and a shield and all sorts of bows and riding in on a war horse. What they needed was a gentle Messiah who came in peace to save them and to save everyone. That's the funny thing about Jesus. He never does what you expect him to do. Like he was born in a stable, dirty, disgusting, stinking, full of animals. Probably a few donkeys as well back then too. But he was born there, not in a palace, 
not in covered sheets of linen and gold servants. He was born there in the misery and the dirt. And he grew up, and nobody expected him to do what he did, but he did it anyway. And all of these stories were, bum were building and building and building in people's lives. But Jesus did not come to meet their expectations. I don't know if you've heard about this story, Breaking Through. Um, I've been off Facebook for Lent, and I still heard this story on the internet. So there's this guy in America. He started an Instagram account called Preachers in Sneakers. And it's really, really silly, but what he's done is he's taken pictures of these great, famous American megachurch leaders, and he's taken pictures of their shoes, and he's matched the price of the pictures of their shoes and how much they would cost to buy. And whenever I first heard, I was like, what a loser, needs a life, that's a really stupid thing to do. And then I actually started to look at the prices of some of the shoes that these guys are wearing. Like, I would pay 50 quid for a shoe, like, and only then it would do me like a year, two years tops. Like, I wouldn't spend, what, five and a half thousand dollars on a pair of trainers? Six hundred dollars? Seven hundred dollars? And a lot of people in those churches, they've actually got really annoyed about what their leaders are wearing on their feet. And this is such a simple thing. One thing that is turning the expectations of people against what they think their leaders should do. So I fully understand why those crowds were disappointed in who Jesus was. And I fully understand why they were turning him. I don't think it's good. And I definitely think they missed a trick there. But what they did was they let their expectations hurt them and hold them back. God loves to exceed our expectations. He loves to blow our minds. And while the Jews were looking for a Messiah to save them, God had a bigger plan altogether. And that was a plan to save everyone for eternity. That is kind of a big deal. That's a mind-blowing concept. And that's why he sent Jesus to us. So by doing so, he redefined love. He redefined our expectations of what love would do for people. And now we all get to have the, the relationship that we have with Jesus. So our next point that we're going to look at this morning is about our big butts. I'm a very immature person. I know exactly how it sounds. It's deliberate, okay? And I know that sometimes I have been responsible for letting my big butt get ahead of my praise. I have been responsible of thinking, Ugh, but I'm not good enough to tell people about Jesus. But I don't think I have enough knowledge to stand up here in the front of church and, and preach a message that God has put under my heart. But I'm too old, but I'm too young, but I'm a woman, but I'm not capable, but I can't sing, but I can't lead worship, but, but, but all of these things that stop me from being able to shout and raise my voice in the way that Jesus is calling me. I let my big butt get bigger than my praise. Now, if you'll know me quite well, I'm really shy. Um, I'm a bit of an introvert. I am not really someone that does crowds or big groups, and, and I get really nervous whenever I do public speaking, which is super great. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, I've always sort of let that hold me back a little bit. And even in my worship, Whenever I first became a Christian, I found it so hard. Everyone was doing like the YMCA moves and I was sitting there going, what? What is happening? I don't understand. Why are people acting in this way? 
But that was just my shyness. That was me not really fully grasping that I was born to praise God. And in the story of Palm Sunday, we have this amazing idea of rocks crying out in worship. But before that, we need to understand what is holding you back from praising God. So on those days, there were people there called Pharisees and religious leaders. Those were the guys who had a job to do to look out for the Messiah coming, but they were so blinded by this rabble rouser, by this person who wasn't what they expected their savior to look like. They were so blinded by that that they couldn't see that their Messiah was coming into town on a donkey. They were also scared. Their big butt was fear. They knew that if this wasn't Jesus, if this wasn't, the, sorry, if this wasn't Messiah, and people started to rebel because the city was packed with people, that we could have turned into disaster. They knew that if one thing kicked off, it could have turned into a riot. And the Romans do not forget rebellion. We know the three, a couple of years before this happened, that there was an attempted Jewish rebellion that the Romans had to squash. And 3,000 Jewish people were killed in retaliation. So they knew the dangers and they let their fear stop them, their butts from stopping them from speaking out when Jesus came into town. Don't let your fear hold you back. Don't let your butt be a fear thing because we know that Jesus breaks all fears. Okay, so confession time. I'm not David Attenborough. I love David Attenborough, but I am not him. I'm also not the iguana either, just getting ahead of that joke, okay? I don't know a lot about the natural world. I don't really know about geography or geology or archeology span or anything fanciology like that. I don't know a lot about rocks, but I have a few pictures of rocks. I'm gonna share this with you now. This is a rock. These are two rocks. There's me and two pebbles. <laughs> this is a rock. This is the rock. <laughs> this is a rock. And I think, ladies, we can all admit that only one of those rocks was good looking. <laughs> that one. I don't really know much about them, but I know they don't have mouths. And I don't really understand why Jesus could think that rocks could cheer out unless there's something actually really different that he wants us to understand from that. We find out that the fear was that if the disciples would stop cheering, that the rocks themselves would cheer instead. I don't wanna let it be said that Charlene didn't praise God too much because she was too shy that a stupid smelly rock had to stand up and cheer instead. And I think sometimes with us, we can be afraid to speak. We can't be afraid to praise God. That can be our big but. But there's no room for buts in the body of Christ. Every single one of us has a voice. Every single one of us has the ability to praise God, to raise his names, to sing our hallelujahs to who he is. And every single one of us has a responsibility to do that. There's no, I'm not in front of church. I don't wanna be part of this. We have our own spheres of influence. We have people in our lives who need to hear that Jesus came to save us and that he redefined love by what he did on that day. So don't let your butt be bigger than your praise. Don't let it hold you back from what Jesus needs to hear.
Um, our worship is a type of weapon as well that we have. A few months ago at the carol services here, I'm sure you all remember them, it was only in December. Um, it's a really big day in our church calendar and we've been praying a lot into it and it's a long, long day. And after the four o'clock service finished, there was another one starting at six. So after the four o'clock service, I was just walking around, you know, Christmas, I loved it, it was brilliant. I love carol services, I love singing to God. And then I heard from a family member that there was a family tragedy that happened between the two services. And one of my family members who was young and not sick ended up in hospital unexpectedly. And can I just be really honest with you? Like, I felt so helpless. I felt so, like, hopeless. Here was me standing in church um, because I was part of the service. I didn't really know what else to do. Like, I couldn't leave. If I left, I wouldn't be able to do anything. I couldn't have gone to the hospital. I'm not a doctor. I couldn't have helped in any kind of way. But I just remember standing here feeling that weight of darkness and heaviness and, and how can I ever praise God through this? And we were singing um, O Holy Night and it came on in the, the six o'clock service and all of this was going on in my head. I had my phone out just in case there was any news. Like I was all over the place and it was just very stressful. And Stuart was leading O Holy Night and I was standing just where the band are sitting and I just remember that feeling of darkness and hopeless and heaviness and disappointment and fear and my expectations of what God could do and everything just built up in me and it came right from my toes the whole way up and out of my body and I sang, oh holy night, like I've never sung before. And it was real and it was praise and it was praise to God. And I put the noise in joyful noise, you know what I'm saying? I can't sing. I'm a terrible singer. Some people hope that I would start lip syncing my worship. Like, I just, I can't do it. I'm a terrible, terrible singer. But I don't think that, that our praise is about our ability to sing. It's about our ability to just use our voices and praise who God is. It is a weapon that we have in our arsenal against the feelings of hopelessness, darkness, fear, worry, stress. If we praise, I promise we will see breakthrough. So do it in your own life. Don't just keep it here on a Sunday. What's the point? It's so comfortable and so safe. We can do it here on a Sunday and it's amazing, but if you can't do it here, how are you supposed to do it? Out in your situations, on the streets, in your schools, and in your works, and with your family. We need to learn how to praise. And my last point is that I looked towards the future and thinking about Palm Sunday, I was really surprised to see that in the book of Revelation, that all of the crowds and multitudes and all of the people from nations, tribes, everywhere from around the whole planet were standing in one room and they were in white robes and they had palm branches in their hands and they were praising Jesus. Guys, I think Palm Sunday is like practice for heaven. I think that process of standing with a palm branch and praising God, palm branches are the symbols of victory. I think that it is, it's just us practicing for heaven. And if we don't get it right now, if we don't figure out that we need to raise our voices in worship, that our voices matter today, I don't want to rock singing louder than I do, okay? We need to use our voices to raise them to God. I'm going to ask um, just if the band could come up, and we're just going to sing another song. Um, the song that we're going to sing is Hosanna by Hillsong, and it's just a really powerful song, so please take this opportunity right now to align your heart and refocus your worship Think of it not as just you singing a song, but of you worshiping God, the God who loves you. So can we all please stand? Thank you.